I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On Like Through, episode 307. The notorious Captain Phil and I have a lengthy conversation about what can be done to finally reduce these horrendous shootings that have been going on in the United States. We talked for about an hour and a half about that. We started our conversation, however, with about 15 minutes of much lighter conversation about the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, science fiction, and Star Trek. So that conversation is very different from what follows. By the way, I did make one slight mistake when I was talking about the Beatles. I said that the Beatles revolver came out slightly before the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, and I got that reversed. Actually, Pet Sounds came out, I think, in May 1966, and Revolver came out in the summer of that year, in August of 1966. In any case, here now is our conversation. The Light on Light Through podcast. So, my friend, here we are. It is Memorial Day, and you know what? We're, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff, and uh, we might sacrifice a few sacred cows here and there. Uh, we might blow your mind. We might give you a breath of fresh air. Who knows? But I do want you to know that the opinions expressed in this next two hours are the opinions of the people who gave them. That would be Paul Levinson, man of mystery, and Captain Phil, man of no mystery. Okay? If you have an issue with what we're saying, um, the complaints come to us, not station management, all right, and, uh, and, or WUSB as a whole. It's just me and him, mostly me. He's on vacation. Give the dude a break. <laughs> Paul, let's, I, I, let's get your credits in before, before we yeah. kick into high gear because we're going we're gonna to get deep. So, yeah, let's, let's get all the, uh, the books, the music, uh, the teaching, everything, man. Let's hear it. Well, first of all, I'm really never on vacation, and that's and true. right now you like you like Batman. That's right. I'm I'm always uh, always watching. That's right. I'm always watching for that signal yes. in the sky. Anyway, uh, well, just to, to underline that point, here I am on Cape Cod, and it's absolutely gorgeous up here. But I am turning my short story. It's real life which, by the way, is available for free on a site called Vocal, V-O-C-A-L. And the story is written. It's not spoken, although there's actually uh, there are two videos there of me reading parts of that story. Anyway, it's an alternate history story about the Beatles, and I'm turning it into a novel, and I'm having a great time doing it. And since I've been up here on Cape Cod, I've already written uh, what's going to be the second, and now I'm into the third chapter. So uh, that's one of the main things I'm working and on. And isn't this like an alternate history where Lennon was never assassinated? Yes, that's right. And the Beatles and never broke up. That's exactly right. And, and, and wait, did they go disco in the late 70s? That's what we no, were. Or I, is that going to be in the book? Or is that going to be? <laughs> I, I, no, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot okay. pole. I mean, <laughs> what kind of terrible idea is that? But uh, Stones kind of yeah. went disco, you know. The Stones, you know. Remember, emotional. I'll come into your emotional rescue. That was a disco song. So, 
Yes, that, that's true. <laughs> uh, by the way, did you hear about apropos of the stoves? I, I loved, uh, there's like a little now, it's, it's heating up, a little uh, sarcasm now being exchanged between McCartney and Mick Jagger. Uh, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to remember who started it. I think, yeah, I think it was Jagger for some reason, unaccountably, uh, basically just called the Beatles like a very light pop band. Oh, give me a break. And then, uh, yeah. And then McCartney, when he had a chance, basically said, well, the Stones, they, all they do is cover rhythm oh, and blues. Oh, my goodness. Like but they're both great groups. Anyway, so that's the, the battle is on. World War Three has begun. Between, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> Those are fighting words. Uh, that's that's, right. that's crazy. I just want to mention our buddy um, uh, Scotty O uh, does the Beatles show on Thursday afternoons opposite Captain Phil's Planet, and he was on last week and he did the anniversary of the Sgt. Pepper's Band album. Oh, that's so. It's a worthy anniversary. You know, I'll, I'll, as long as you mention that. I, I learned an extremely important lesson about Sergeant Pepper. In fact, I wrote a little essay that appeared in one of my early books, Electronic Chronicles, and the essay was called Sergeant Pepper and the Presumption of Genius. And I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but the first time I heard Sergeant Pepper, you know, when I ran out and bought the album back right. in June 1967, I didn't like it at all. You know, I, I had been loving Rubber Soul and loving Revolver, but and I, when I heard Sgt. Pepper, I said, what, what is this? They'd really gone you know, off the deep end. There were a couple of songs that I liked, but by and large, I didn't like it at all. I listened to it three, four times. I still didn't like it. And finally, I said to myself, look, there's something wrong here. Either you know, there's something wrong with your tastes or there's something wrong with the Beatles. And I realized, well, of the two, chances are there's something wrong with me. <laughs> so I, I kept listening. And then I began loving a little help from my friends. And I began loving Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, that, and actually, to this very day, I still prefer uh, Rubber Soul and Revolver to Sgt. Pepper. But I do think Sgt. Pepper is a great album. So. Well, you bring up an interesting idea, too, because, um, I mean... You progressed chronologically through the Beatles as they, you know, grew as artists. Whereas a lot of people, myself included, um, got into the Beatles when their entire opus had already had been launched into the world. So we weren't seeing it as they moved into that direction. So I think some people like started with Sgt. Pepper and worked their way backwards, or here and there or they heard it, you know, or, or whatever was being played on the radio. And I think. After Sgt. Pepper came out, I think, um, what's the what's the really long song at the end? Uh, is it is it A Day in the Life? A, a, a Day in the Life, yeah. I, I heard Yeah, the yeah. Day. That's, yeah. I mean, that, I remember hearing that on FM radio in my sister's car when I was like seven or eight years old. And that was just like, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's like, yeah. and just to have that experience, it sort of like changes the way you receive the, that, that information. I think it changes your brain. But if you're progressing, you know, like a lot of times I go through bands I love and their second or third album I'm like completely in love with. And then and now I'm following them. So I'm going to buy whatever comes out next and they release an album. And I'm like, why don't I like this? You know, yeah. so, so I kind of like see what you're saying there. You know, like it, it, it took a while, but I'm well, assuming. It's a, it's, go ahead. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tough uh, decision because if you have a hit record and you're successful, there's an understandable 
almost compulsion to continue doing that. Yeah. Because why mess with a successful formula? And the Beatles deliberately put that aside. And some people might say they went too far in the other direction. You're just trying to come up with something new every single time. But if you think about a group like the Supremes and you think about Motown in general, they eventually evolved. And in the end, you know, the the Supremes uh, did sound, you know, a lot different than baby, baby. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they 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 did. And the Temptations also, they, you know, they started out, uh, you know, being just pretty much straight, you know, R&B pop and, you know, developed into something else. But it took them a long time. So they're an example, uh, Motown, of, of the other approach where you, you find a successful formula, you stick with it for four, five, six years, and then you begin to branch out into something else. Hey, you uh, know, not, not to get too far afield, but uh, just refresh my memory. Did the Beach Boys uh, animal sounds come out before or after um, Sgt. Pepper? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm a bad DJ. You're talking about pet, pet, pet sounds. sounds. Pet sounds, yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. Pet sounds came out. Pet sounds was, I think, the Beach Boys' response to Revolver, and they, you know, they because the, the two groups are in competition. And Paul McCartney now always says that Sgt. Pepper was born in an attempt to outdo the Beach Boys in Pet Sounds. Wow. So. The Beach Boys, uh, you know, they heard Rubber Soul and Revolver and they realized that it was really not, you know, in the same universe as what they had been doing. And so they did Pet Sounds. And by the way, I'll just say on Pet Sounds, the arrangement of Sloop John B, which is not a song, of course, that they wrote. That's an old folk song. We said, oh, Mr. John B. Uh, but uh, Brian Wilson arranged that and is, to this day, in my opinion, right up there with the best harmonic arrangements mm. of all time. So, yeah, they were a, a great group and, you know, they had their own problems. Brian Wilson went a little crazy. That's what I love about talking to you, man. We just like go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is a lot more fun to talk about than what well, we're going to. Be. Well, yeah, so so you got the the book coming out, and with with yeah. the uh, with the Beatles alternate history story, um, and then of course you have your podcast and and reviews and everything. So just point people at that. Yeah, well, my podcast is Light On Light Through, spelled just the way it sounds. Through is T H R O U G H, and. On that podcast, I have a combination of reviewing every science fiction television series or movie that I can see on television that I can watch. And so, for example, I'm currently reviewing The Man Who Fell to Earth oh. and, yeah, and The Time Traveler's Wife, both superb series. I'll have reviews of that up soon. And apropos of what you and I had a great conversation yes. with a couple of weeks ago, I'm now watching and reviewing uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I have to take a moment here to say, when you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, I hadn't yet seen it. Now that I've seen the first four episodes, I think it's by far the best Star Trek series since the original series, which I always held to be the best series. Now, obviously, you know, uh, The Next Generation is a close competitor and it has some fabulous episodes. But I have to say, Strange New Worlds is just 
fabulous. Well, and they they're not afraid to go into issues, you know. And 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 I haven't seen the fourth episode yet. I I just finished uh, the last episode with the gaseous beings, and number one um, with the whole um, you know right. changing her DNA and stuff like that. The Illyrians. The Illyrians, yeah. And yeah. I I like that they're they're facing these issues head on the way the original Star Trek did, but the whole thing is brought up to the 21st century for us 21st century you know uh, cynical uh, eyes you know the generation who grew up on Watchmen you know the generation that, that you know on, on, on this these dystopian like the Battlestar Galactica reboot those things you know and it's it's turned the page a little bit and giving people hope it's it's when you know when they stopped you know when they stopped on the first episode they stopped them from from basically going to war you know, right. it's just, right. just, just great, just a great anti-war uh, episode, and yeah, prejudice and and all these different things, um, yeah, and it's filling out or fleshing out those characters that we saw just briefly in the cage. That, that's right. I have to say, I also love young Spock. I think he's great. You know, several, you know, the the J.J. Uh, Abrams movies ha- had a young Spock also. But this guy, Ethan Peck, who, by the way, is Gregory, Gregory Peck's Peck. grandson, yep. he is doing a, a great job. And by the way, about that Illyrian episode, I love the fact that number one says something along the lines of, we, we, don't, we don't terraform planets, we transform ourselves. Yep. And if you think about it, that's a very enlightened uh, attitude. And one of the things I point out in my book, that harkens back to a great science fiction story I read as a kid by A.E. Van Vogt, uh, V-O-G-T. I think it was called The Enchanted Village, uh, published in the early 1950s. Oh, I read that story. He crash lands on Mars, and he's trying to survive. Right. And, and of course, Mars, I believe Mars in the story has a breathable atmosphere. Am I right? Barely, yes. Yeah, so he's trying to survive. Um, and he and the and this automated village is trying to provide for him, and it's and it's not working. And he tries to eat the food, and it's making him sick. And he's just trying. And he knows this abandoned Martian village that he's he's all alone. Um, he knows it's trying to help him. And then at the end of the story, spoiler alert: at the end of the story, <laughs> um, he eats the food and everything is great. And then it describes as he walks away. I think he has like a tail or something, you know. And, and exactly, yeah, yeah. He he he's feeling great. Uh, he he's happy as a clam, and that's because he probably looks like a clam, a Martian you know? clam, <laughs> Martian clam, right? Yeah. Oh, like that's awesome. a, such a that's such a blast from the past. I rem, I remember reading that when I was uh, when I was like a teenager. I love that yeah. story. Yeah, hey, Van Vogt, What's the name of it again that I can't remember? The Enchanted Village. The Enchanted Village. And of course, those of you, and we're not going to talk about Star Trek all night, so 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 relax, those of you who are listening here to Paul Levinson on A.E. Van Vogt's uh, novel, The Space Beagle, uh, in some respects, was the, the template for Star Trek and definitely for the movie Alien. Um, That's right. Uh, Black Destroyer was, was a story that basically Alien lifted uh, from classic science fiction. Uh, what did he write that? The 40s or the 50s, Paul? I think the 40s. Most yeah. of his stuff was in the 40s. Maybe some was in the early 50s, too. But uh, it, it, he actually was a little ahead of certainly Heinlein 
you know, Asimov was writing, you know, his foundation stories in the 40s too. But, you know, the golden age of science fiction is generally said to be the 1950s because you have the big three, Asimov, Heinlein, and A.C. Clarke. But Van Vogt was a little bit before them, and uh, he often doesn't get enough credit. I think he was Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. And, I, yeah. mean, I mean, people who have, you know, critically dissected his work, there are issues. If you go into it, you know, there, it, there is some clunkiness. But... In terms right. of the ideas, I mean, the, the the story that Paul just described, you know, with with the, the enchanted village, it was such a such a mind blowing idea, and you have to put it in perspective, like what we were talking about with uh, Sergeant Pepper, like Paul is is encountering that after following the Beatles' career, you know, as as he as he you know goes through as as the music is being released, of course, you know, you out there have seen Alien, you've seen Star Trek, you've seen these things, and if you encounter A.E. Van Vogt's The Voyage of the Space Beagle, and and the and it's a patch-up novel of different novelettes, um, and you read Black Destroyer, you'll say, this is just like Alien. He stole it from Alien. It's like, no, you know, <laughs> no. But yeah, I did, and I did read your your review of Time Traveler's Wife. I think you wrote a, a, a yes. short review of the first episode. That's something, I haven't read the book, I haven't seen the movie, but it, but I, I love the premise. And I love how how they maintain this uh, this loving relationship. So that's something I want to uh, watch as well. Uh, Time Traveler's Wife, and of course, uh, maybe at some point in July or August, uh, I'll have you back, Paul, when we're we have a few more episodes in to uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds with uh, Michael Rizzo and Mary Jo uh, Rakowski, and we'll really nerd it up. <laughs> and that'll be on good. Friday night. We'll really nerd it up and have a good time with that. Um, Love it. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I was I was listening as I drove back from this flea market I was selling at today. Um, as I'm driving back, um, I was listening to this rerun of a uh, they 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 put on public radio up here in Albany, um, a local the local uh, news reporters, the paper, newspaper reporters, the news writers. And they discuss everything, and they're saying everything is flying at us so quickly. It's climate change, but it's Ukraine, and there's the Buffalo shooting, and now there's the Texas shooting, and, and, the, and there's the price of gas, and then there's inflation, quote-unquote inflation, or is it price gouging? You know, all these different things, and it's just hard to absorb it all. Um, but right now, Paul, I really feel like the, the shooting in Texas has taken center stage, and... Um, you know, um, I'm going to turn you loose on this, Paul. Um, let's uh, give us your thoughts on that terrible tragedy of, of what just happened in Texas. Well, it, it's it's about as horrible a tragedy as can happen, right? Where you know little kids are gunned down, and this, by the way, is one of the things that makes what's going on in Ukraine, you know, the Russian invasion. It's not just a war; the Russians are killing little kids also because they're just shelling indiscriminately wherever they can. But uh, to be honest with you and everyone, I, I have uh, never been a friend of the police. And you and I have talked about this, you know, I'm sure many times over the years. Uh, I remember as a, as a little, uh, well, maybe not a little kid, I was a, a young teenager. It was, it was around the July 4th weekend uh, back in the late 1950s, I'm standing in front of a Carvel with some friends of mine. Yep. A police car pulls up. They shove me against the wall. They're looking for firecrackers. And I remember thinking in the years that followed, it's a good thing I wasn't black. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking about it. Yeah. 
But but what happened in, in Texas has put all of this in a new light because it's not just that uh, cops, as we know, are racist. It's not just that they're trigger happy. It's that they're cowards. And uh, there's no other word to describe it. And, you know, when you hear as this comes out, it just gets more and more horrifying and sickening that, that here are these cops. I don't blame them for being afraid for their lives. And we'll get into this in a few minutes where the killer is there with a semi-automatic weapon that's far more powerful than the weapons they, the cops, have. I, I don't blame them for being frightened, but I would be frightened too. But that's their job. And I heard somebody, I can't remember his name, he uh, was some kind of uh, police advisor in the Obama administration. I saw him at MSNBC a couple of nights ago, and he put it very well. He said, the job of law enforcement, when you have an active shooter, is if there are innocent people whose lives are at stake, you have to engage that active shooter. You have to risk your life. You have to draw that active shooter's attention away from the innocent victims who have no weapons at all. You at least have some weapons. And that apparently, I'm no expert on what police procedure is, but according to this Obama advisor, that's what standard police procedure is and has been since Columbine. You don't wait. You go in and you engage the shooter. And that gives the innocent people there, in this case, kids, for God's sakes, a chance to escape because the active shooter has to turn and look at whoever it is who's shooting at him. And obviously it's very, very dangerous. And, you know, I'm sure that there are some heroes in the police. But now it seems in Texas, not only do police kill innocent African-Americans whose crime is nothing other in their eyes than being black, but now they can't even do their goddamn job when there's a killer shooting innocent kids in a, a classroom. And what? They're waiting. What are they waiting for? Yeah, and, and as, this, as this is being revealed bit by bit, um, again, I'm about 24 hours behind in the news cycle right now, so I'm not sure what the latest stuff is, but basically um, up to where you said, like, there was a group of police outside the door. This was a double classroom, so this was a classroom with two, like, two rooms attached, like a hotel room, um, where you could go back and forth in between, I am, I'm assuming, and he's shooting through the walls and through the doors. Uh, the adults were killed first. He didn't just go in there and indiscriminately just go, you know, and, and I think he was just, he, it seems to me like, and this is going to sound mortifying, it sounds to me like he was doing an execution style. He was picking them off one at a time. If it was taking him 45 minutes. Um, so that's really disturbing. And I can't imagine, you know, and I'm a teacher, I'm a retired teacher who, who actually in the last few years of my career did do active shooter drills with my students so the teachers out there you know who are currently teaching this is something you you do with these active shooter drills and this isn't happening this is happening all over the country even in new york uh right in port jeff where i was teaching um where 
the school goes in the lockdown, you cover the windows, you lock the door, you make sure no one can see in, and you, and you hide under a desk until the principal says it's over. And people will walk around the school and try to open the doors, and you, and you have to be quiet, you know. And couple, with the, couple this, Paul, with the fact that I was teaching special education, okay? <laughs> you know, yeah. the kids that aren't going to be quiet, you know. And I can't imagine, I wasn't working with the physically handicapped at that point, I can't imagine a classroom with a bunch of kids in wheelchairs, you know, in breathing tubes, you know, which is a group I had taught, you know, years before. Having to do, how, how do you prepare for How do they prepare for that? You know, it's, it's, it seems ridiculous. But the way we bend over backwards um, for the right to uh, purchase these weapons, it's, 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 it seems incomprehensible, absolutely incomprehensible. And and it confuses me, um, like you said, that they that they didn't rush in, that they didn't um, go in, and I really don't understand. I, I I completely understand them being afraid because I read this stuff and I'm terrified, and I would you know, trust me, you know, I mean, I I, I could not I, I I could not imagine it, um, but at the same time, there had to be a better. A better method, you know, besides sit there and wait, or, or just just wait. So, yeah, yeah. And the full so story. Yeah, Go ahead. It, it's very confusing. Well, uh, the full story, at least as far as we know, at this time, you know, we all heard this more than once uh, by now and read about it. Is that the state troopers who arrived there? They wanted to go in. They knew what the right thing to do was. But apparently the local authorities, I don't know whether it's in Texas or all over the United States, but at least in that situation in Texas, the local authorities had the command authority. And, th and they told the troopers, no, don't go in yet. They mistakenly thought that the shooter was no longer actively killing wow. people, that it was barricaded. And the only reason why there wasn't even a greater loss of life is that eventually, uh, after an hour and 20 minutes, or however long the state troopers were there, eventually uh, the state troopers just decided, hey, we're going in. And they defied the idiotic orders of those local Texas police. And you know, I have to say, getting back to that, and uh, you know, uh, this is not a time to be glib, but but it, I couldn't help but thinking, you know, the the NRA and it's you know uh, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Not this time. No, yeah, you you need a guy with a gun who has a brain in his or her head. You you need a guy with a gun who has a little courage. You need a guy with a gun with a gun who understands what's going on and that there are innocent lives at stake. You need a guy with a gun who knows how to do his or her job. So that you know maybe we'll probably we'd have to live to be a thousand years old. And I'm sure the NRA won't admit that it got it completely wrong. But that's one of the things that this tragedy in in Texas uh, Valdez shows. By the way. Um, Let's, though, indeed talk a little bit about, you mentioned, why was this 18-year-old kid able to buy a gun like this? And um, here I have to tell you, you know, ever since I was a little kid and I began to understand this, 
I got, and as you know, I'm a great champion of the First Amendment. I know why it's so important to a democracy that people be able to speak their minds, even if we find what they say hateful. Because as soon as you begin to crack down on communications, you are paving the road to a fascistic society. So I think the First Amendment was a stroke of genius on the part of our founding fathers. And it's one of the things that has kept America relatively free. It's By the way, the First Amendment has been trampled on by Supreme Courts over the years, and we don't need to go into that. But it always occurred to me as soon as I began studying this, and I guess this goes back to high school, maybe even junior high school, Frankly, I never got the, the, the Second Amendment. I never got the logic of the Second Amendment. Why is it important or even helpful to democracy to have a well-armed citizenship? And, and it says, you know, uh, in, in the Second Amendment, for the purpose of having a well-regulated militia, the government, whatever the language is, shouldn't get in the way of citizens uh, bearing arms. I think, unfortunately, the Founding Fathers, they were too close to the Revolutionary War and too close to the fact that it did take some violence and military force and weaponry and firing of bullets. After all, it was the American Revolution. It was not a peaceful revolution. It was a violent revolution. And I think that the Founding Fathers were so close to that that they felt they had to put in the Constitution itself this fundamental right to bear arms to keep us from being a dictatorship. Now, now let, me get, let me get my history right here. So um, the Second Amendment... Is it still the 18th century when that came into the Constitution? Is this I'm, yes? I'm, the, 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 the first name, the, the year I'm thinking correct. is 1796. Am I right? Am I close? Yeah, no. Yes, it's the 1790s. It, 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 the, the first ten amendments were put forth uh, like in 1792, 1793, and then they were ratified by the states in in the year or two or three or four that follows. And so by the time we get to the year 1800, you have pretty much 10 amendments. There were a couple of amendments that looked like they were close to being ratified, then they weren't. But, but the Second Amendment is, was and is a product of the end of the 1700s, or if you want to get fancy, the end of the 18th yes. century. Now, uh, so, now, now, the Second Amendment, in my mind, seemed to serve the country well during uh, the War of 1812 when Washington was burned to the ground and specifically the Battle of Baltimore where the citizens of, of Baltimore, you know, and this is of course where the Star-Spangled Banner, you know, had, was, was penned, um, you know, but, but the citizens of Baltimore raised their own militia and fought off, fought the British to a standstill because they had pride in the country after the British had burned the capital down to the ground. Um, so it seems to me that's the instance of where the Second Amendment seemed to be doing what it was supposed to do. <laughs> well, you want to know something? I don't agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Go ahead. The, I, I, and here's why. The same thing would have happened without a Second Amendment. Okay, okay, yeah. People, people would have, they had weapons. You know, a lot of people had weapons back then, and the militias would have formed, and they would have done exactly the same thing. And I think here's an analogy that I think is useful for understanding this. Anyone who wants to drive 
can get a car, learn how to drive. You do have to pass a test to make sure that you drive safely and, and you can drive. Is that a right, the right to drive a car that's in the Constitution? No. <laughs> Is there an amendment, the drive a car amendment? No. And millions and millions of people drive. And you know what? The government regulates that. The government says, hey, uh, you know, if you're too young, like five years old, you can't drive. The reason why I mention that is uh, here I am on, on, on Cape Cod, not that far from Maine or closer to Maine than I am in New York. I'll never forget my wife and I, years ago, we were driving up in Maine. And I, I look at this car that drives past me. I swear to God, there was like an eight-year-old kid driving the car. <laughs> I don't know what the age limit is in Maine. Well, it was I'm Maine, sure. so yeah, yeah it, was, it was an inalienable right to, yeah. That's right. So, but look, the government regulates, by and large, uh, driving cars pretty well. You know, you have to get your eyesight checked. Why? I got a, a little humor, but it is a matter of life and death. What, why do you have to get your eyesight checked? There was a report, this is about, I don't know, five or ten years ago, about a, a, a car who's pulled over someplace in the Midwest, and there's a guy driving it, an old guy driving it, and his wife is sitting next to him, and the old guy is blind as a bat. He's totally <laughs> blind, but then he's driving the car because his wife is telling him, Okay, Herb, you know, <laughs> slow down. We're getting to a light now. Uh, Herb, you know, here you make a left turn. All right, all right, stop bothering me. I know what I'm doing. Okay, but anyway, the, the whole point is it, it's a very sensible law. It's a very sensible restriction. You have to see well enough to drive. And that's why you get an eye exam. And if you need glasses, you have to have glasses. Otherwise, you don't get a license. Unless you have that so, guy's wife sitting with you. Right. That's right. She's available for hire yes. still, by the way. Very inexpensive. She'll come and help you out wherever you need her. She's very, she's a, kind of abrasive, though, but, you know, it's, it's worth yeah, she's it. A little, she's a little bit of a nag sometimes, yeah. but... <laughs> Yeah, she. If all she did was basically give advice about driving, it would be okay. But she also has suggestions. Oi, put on a cleaner shirt next time. You never know who we're going to run into. The poor guy is blind. He can't tell if his shirt is clean. You wear those shoes? To this <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here we go. But anyway, look, I mean, it, it, it's, not, it, it's no laughing matter. But just to, to close off that point, and yet, based on the Second Amendment, there's been an interpretation, and it's always been lingering in the background, uh, but Scalia's decision in 2008, I can't remember the name of it, I'm so disgusted with it, uh, basically said that the Second Amendment applies not only to a well-regulated militia, but every citizen can get a gun if he or she needs to defend themselves. That that is the sacred right that's enshrined in the Second Amendment. And that built on the Second Amendment itself, that's what leads to an 18-year-old kid buying a semi-automatic weapon, which if you ask anyone else in the world, if you ask Vladimir Putin, even he would agree that that is insane, totally insane. Why does an 18-year-old kid need a semi-automatic weapon? And, and, but this, so 
I have now come to the position, and I, a lot of people vehemently disagree with me. They think it does more harm than good to say it because it angers people who want their guns. I think ultimately we need to repeal the Second Amendment once and for all. It, it, it was not a good idea or necessary in the first place. That's not going to take guns away from people any more than the fact that we don't have an amendment that guarantees everyone's right to drive a car is it, it stopping millions and millions of people from driving. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's um, well, well, two things. Um, I don't understand how we got to a place where we're, we're so terrified that we need um, this level of firepower. I understand the difference between um, sport hunting or target shooting, but I don't really understand uh, this at all. And, and, and every once in a while I'll read some comment on a board or something, you know, on a, on a, on a common thread, and they'll say, well, I want to have this, this type of rifle because I want to take it to the range and shoot it. I want to have that experience. I'm like, okay, do you really need to own that if you want to have that experience? You know, can, you know, so, so there's that. Um, but the whole thing seems to be hinging on the fact that there's a tremendous amount of money being made here. And we can talk about, should it be well, better regulated? Should these types of guns not be for sale? Uh, should there be a limit to how much ammo can go through? Should bump stocks, all these different things. And whenever debate about this comes up, which it has recently, it gets shot down. So my idea, Paul, is, is it time to get rid of the filibuster? Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. It's time to get rid of the filibuster for all kinds of reasons. And this is really interesting because, you know, the the gun rights people who want to hold on to their guns above all else, uh, obviously, they're very, very fond of citing the Second Amendment, which is, unfortunately, I have to say, but it is, I have to admit, it is in the Constitution. It's the Second Amendment. It's a very powerful law right now. But is the filibuster in the Constitution? No. So basically, it's, it's just some nonsense that some, I think, anti-democratic with a small d senators put in there. I don't care what their reasons were whenever it was 50 years ago. Frankly, uh, excuse me, uh, where I come from, in a democracy, a majority vote wins, period. You have 100 senators, you have 51 who want something, it's law. Or you have 100 senators and it's split 50-50, and the vice president who acts as president of the Senate can break that tie, that's it. I, 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 I don't understand Joe Manchin. I don't understand Kristen Sinema. It, this gets in the way over and over and over again not only of having sensible gun control, but frankly, we could spend five hours talking about them and that still wouldn't be enough. The many things that the filibuster has gotten in the way of. Why isn't there a federal law guaranteeing a woman's right to control what happens inside her own body? Why isn't there a federal law? Answer, because the filibuster gets in the way of it. And then all the various things, you know, look, Biden is not a perfect president. 
but he did come up with a whole bunch of policies and suggestions for laws which would have been very helpful. We'd be in much better shape now if those laws had been passed. And and a, a couple managed to get through. And the rest, basically, because Joe Manchin didn't like it, good, he's entitled to his opinion. Um, but, you know, if, if you have, let's say, 48, 49 Democrats and you can just get one or two other Republicans, uh, you, you don't need Joe Manchin anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think, you know, th this is, again, this inconsistency that uh, we have in our country. You, you, you want to stand by the Constitution. You want to stand on the Constitution when whatever it is that's in the Constitution supports what you want, like total freedom to buy any weapon you want. Uh, but if, it, if there's something that's being discussed, if it's some kind of policy, it's not part of the law, it's just a custom, then, you know, those same people have no problem saying, hey, no, that's very important. I'm not going to violate the filibuster. Look, it's not only the filibuster, it's the electoral college. We've talked about yes, that. Yes. Also, right. I mean, again, in a democracy, is it me? You know, am I ignorant of some profound principle? You, in a democracy, you have an election. Whoever gets the, the greatest number of votes should win. End of discussion. Yeah. Who I know, we know why the Electoral College was created. It's because the founding fathers, they were great in many ways, but they were afraid of democracy. And they, they tried to put into our laws and ways of doing things various elements that separated pure democracy from the creation of government. So that, that's a very, uh, you know, uh, anachronistic thing as well. And frankly, not to revisit this, that's why we had probably the worst president in American yes. history uh, in office from 2016 to 2020. He lost the popular vote. Hillary Clinton was elected president in 2016. Beginning and end of story. The only reason that she didn't become president is because we have an electoral college. And by the way, I do have to say, here, in terms of the Electoral College and what we're talking about regarding guns, people around the world think that we in the United States are insane in terms of the way we approach guns in our law. And they also think we're crazy if they are a democracy, the, the way we elect presidents. Mm. Uh, you know, it, that's not the way it is in England or France. That's not even the way it is in Poland. You know, and actually, Poland's a pretty good country now. So, I mean, it's I mean, totally... Kind of, that's kind of amazing where you where, where Poland has come from, you know, over, yeah, over the decades. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so look, you know, I, th this is a tragic situation. I, you know, and, you know, I'm not the first person to say this. Uh, after Sandy Hook, a lot of people are saying, okay, look, you know... The NRA, as powerful as it was back then, it was more powerful then than here 20, 10 years later. It's still pretty powerful now, but it was more powerful then. But a lot of people were saying, oh, but you know what? If you think about what happened at Sandy Hook to those poor kids. And, and that, that's, and you know what, Paul? And when we talk about that, and I remember Sandy Hook, and, and when I was preparing to move uh, up here, um, you know, when, when we were working on it and getting my son up, here into like a school and 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 a uh, and a group home and, and all that that went with it. Um, we would you know to save time. 
well, to avoid traffic, it did not be, time was not safe, but to avoid traffic, um, we would drive that way, and we would drive through Sandy Hook, and it was it was difficult to go through that. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, I said to myself, how is it that nothing happened? And how is it that some people don't even believe it? It, it actually happened. They believe it, 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 it was theater. And, and, and it's, it's killing me. And when this thing happened in Texas, not so much um, the Buffalo. Buffalo was an act of pure racism. Um, but, but Texas, it just smacked of Sandy Hook so much. And, and, I, you know, and I still don't know a lot about uh, the gunman. I know he was, he was an adult. He was able to buy the weapons. He was allowed to. He was legally allowed to buy the weapons. He went to that school district. I don't understand why he targeted an elementary school, though. I mean, there were reports that he was bullied and that he was upset with school. But I don't understand, you know, that. that there's, there's a lot to unpack here. But his, grandma, well, I, his grandmother survived, though. I'm hoping we can hear something at some point about his state of mind because we actually have a survivor in this case, not so in Sandy Hook. Uh, you know, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, uh, the, the, the clearest explanation I've heard, I don't know, obviously, whether this is true or not, but is so he wanted to kill his grandmother. He, he shot her in the face. Uh, fortunately, she survived. He got in his car and he drove away. It's not clear where he was driving to. He, his car crashed into something. And he got out of his car and looked around and saw there was a school there. Okay. He, but it's not 100% clear to me. It, he might have been driving towards the school and the car crashed, or he might have been driving someplace else and the car crashed. Okay. And I mean, I, from what I've read, again, it's, it's a comedy of errors, although it's not a comedy at all. It's a tragedy of errors. Yes. What, what happened was is I, I think, I don't know whether it was a teacher or some school administrator heard the car crash. She opened a back door and I'm not sure what she saw or didn't see, but she, she went back into the school, but left the door open because she had intended to go out again to, I guess, see what was going on with the car crash. And it was then that the murderer got into the school. So, but, but again, so this is basically someone like a highly agitated state of mind who just wants to go on a rampage and he may not even have had the elementary school in mind, but I mean, this is all conjecture on our parts right now. That's right. It is all conjecture. And, you know, had he had a single, had he had a single action shotgun, he would have hurt people, but he wouldn't have been a mass murder. Had he had, you know, a small handgun that didn't have the ability to reload quickly, people would have gotten hurt or killed, but maybe not have been this, this, I mean, you have to bring in the, the actual um, objects he was using, the actual gear he was using into the argument, though. And the fact that he was able to get these things or that they were offered for sale at all, I, I, I I may I I think I have this number wrong, but I I think I read somewhere that there were 200 million of those those type of rifles in people's hands in the, in, in the country. Am I right, or have you heard that number? I don't. I may have that had that wrong. No, I I actually I'm not sure. Okay, about yeah. That. So I won't say anything one way. So or the take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, but there there are plenty of them. That's for sure. I by the way, I was talking to my wife about this. I was wondering how much they cost. You know, so for an 18 year old kid. I, I assume they must cost 
hundreds of dollars, maybe even more than that. And I and I do know, I mean, I did read more than once, he had two of them, you know, two semi-automatic weapons. So, by the way, this is sounds almost like a facetious, all too clever suggestion, but uh, I'm not being facetious at all. I think one of the things the government could do right away is start, you know, and, and again, I don't know it's, whether it's eight hundred dollars. An AR fifteen okay. costs eight hundred dollars. Okay. So so this is what I would suggest. I don't know if Biden can do this as an executive order or it's something that has to be passed by Congress, but let's assume that the federal government can do this. Uh, I would offer a thousand dollars so people make a two hundred dollar profit. We will buy your semi-automatic weapon for a thousand bucks. So you're going to come out ahead and we'll take that weapon and we'll ship it over to Ukraine yeah. so they can use it against the Russians. And and and, and I can hear heads exploding <laughs> when you say yeah. that. No one's going to take my guns away, you know. And for years, people were terrified that, oh, my goodness, a Democrat's president, Bill Clinton, is going to take our guns away. You know, Barack Obama is going to take our guns away. Joe Biden is going to take our guns away. Has anybody ever taken anybody's guns away? <laughs> Is that no, happened? I mean, I, uh, frankly, I wish they would, yes. but, but you know, it would, it would be a lot safer. Look, I, again, look, to be totally honest with you, you know, you and I were talking, you know, earlier in the hour about, you know, our mutual love of Star Trek yeah. and the Beatles and so on. And, you know, everybody has loves and things that they don't care about or even dislike. I'll be honest, you know, with you and my listeners, I've never fired a gun in my life. I have no desire to. And, you know, I, I'm quite happy, you know. But if somebody enjoys hunting, okay, you know, that's fine with me. I wouldn't get in their way. But the problem is the, the weapons that you're using for hunting, when they're carried to their ultimate degree, uh, you know, result in uh, you can't use a semi-automatic weapon for hunting, at least as far as I know. What are you going to do? Massacre uh, a herd of uh, yeah. deer? I, so, um, but yes, as you said before, look, we're, we're never going to live in a world without murders. You know, everybody has knives in their house. They're in the kitchen. We use them to cut our food. Uh, you know, a, a person, a deranged person, or a person filled with hatred, or and the two are pretty much the same. Uh, they can pick up a knife and and kill some people, and that's happened many, many times throughout history. But the police would be able to deal with that immediately. And to get back to what we were saying before, the idea of police en masse outside the building where this is going on, or maybe in the building, just down the hall from where this is going on, and not going in and confronting the murderer, that wouldn't have happened if the murderer had only a knife or even just a, a pistol or, or a rifle. So for that reason alone, you know, you, I, I, again, I don't look something else. I would never become a cop. You know, mm -hmm. if, if somebody said, hey, you know what, I'll quadruple your salary and, and you can, uh, you know, but we'd like you to be a police officer. 
I wouldn't become a cop, not because I'm a coward, but because I would get no pleasure even giving a person a ticket. You know, why would I get any pleasure out of that? I, you know, so, but I understand there, there are people who enjoy being police. Great. You know, we do need police because there are criminals. There are people who do crazy things. I'm not in favor of defunding the police. That's crazy. We do need police, but we need police who can do their job. And allowing anyone to who's over 18 to buy this kind of weapon for 800 bucks which again I, you know this needs to be investigated so this kid bought two of them so 18 years old this kid had access to 1600 bucks i don't know about you phil when i was 18 i didn't have access to 1600 bucks i mean i'm trying to think how much money did i get for my bar mitzvah uh but but they were like in bonds i think so I could have that's them some anyway. bar mitzvah you take yeah <laughs> yeah i know so, so oh. I, look we shouldn't make light of this no. but this kid Got that money from someplace. Yeah, so and and that as well. And and just just as a side note here, um, if you look at the, uh, I'm a big fan of Heather Cox Richardson, and if you look at her newsletter from May 24th, which happened right, yeah, you know, which she wrote right after this incident happened, she goes over the history of the NRA, and she writes. I'm just going to pull out a paragraph here. She writes, and by the 1920s. Rifle shooting was a popular American sport. Quote unquote, riflemen completed, competed in the Olympics, in colleges, and in local, state, and national tournaments organized by the NRA. Being a good marksman was a source of pride mentioned in public biographies, like being a good golfer. In 1925, when the secretary of the NRA apparently took money from ammunition and, and, and arms manufacturers, the organization, check this out, tossed him out and sued him. What? Yeah. <laughs> What? NRA officers insisted on the right of citizens to own rifles and handguns, but worked hard to distinguish between a law-abiding citizen and who should have access to guns. And, of course, the article that she writes goes on to talk about what happened in the 1970s, where it became more about um, opposing gun control, about joining political action committees, you know. And then the... uh, Supreme Court thing you mentioned before, um, I believe here it is. Uh, it says in 1997, let me know if I have this one right, when the Brady Bill cases came before the Supreme Court, and remember, it was a Republican who got shot. When, you know, it was, it was Reagan who got shot that the right. Brady Bill came from. Uh, came before the Supreme Court as Prince versus the United States. The Supreme Court declared parts of the measure unconstitutional. Was that what you were referring before about Scalia? No, that what you're saying is important too. What I'm talking about was like more like 2006, 2007, okay. 2008, and it was also a Scalia decision. It was in that decision that Scalia explicitly said that he, as a Supreme Court justice, and he convinced a majority of people on the Supreme Court then, and and the majority in those days. That's yet another story it's because George W. Bush was able to appoint at least two uh, justices at that point, uh, Roberts and uh, Alito. 
And not to get too far from that, that's because the same Scalia on the Supreme Court prevented the recount in Florida in the 2000 election. Yes, yes. So, but that's why all this happened. So with a majority of justices agreeing with him, Scalia said it's time that we recognize that the Second Amendment is not something which pertains only to a, a well-regulated militia. The, 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 the Second Amendment should be interpreted as the government will do nothing to get in the way of a citizen buying weaponry to defend himself, his home, herself. It was, you know, it was not a male thing. It was anyone, any American. And uh, that's basically what really opened the floodgates to this. Uh, and, you know, this is yet, you know, another, you know, issue that, that we should, uh, you know, discuss the Supreme Court while we're at it in terms of what's in the Constitution and what's not in the Constitution. I had meant to say that before, but it's also a very important point. The number of justices is not laid out in the Constitution. That's true, wasn't it? Wasn't it the fact that Roosevelt threatened to pack the court? That he managed yeah, well, to get his, his new deal through? Yes, exactly. And it, I, when I grew up, and I remember saying that Roosevelt's wanting to pack the court was cited as a horrible thing. You know, uh, what, what's going on here? President is not getting his way, and therefore he wants to increase the number of justices just to have a bunch of puppets support what the president wants. Well, that was a pretty good Republican argument. But what I didn't realize back then is Roosevelt had every right, it would have to be passed by Congress, of course, to increase you know the number of justices on the court. And, you know, again, Listen, I don't want to get too far off talking about Biden. I think he's done a lot of good things. I don't think he's the best president we mm -hmm. ever had. I would l like to see him push for that as well. And, you know, the current Supreme Court, not only are they not reliable in terms of a sensible gun policy, but, you know, in terms of a woman's right to choose, this this decision is probably going to come down in the next week or two. Yep, uh, that that's something that's outrageous, also. And we're talking with Paul Levinson, who has opinions, <laughs> and if you agree with those opinions, God bless you. <laughs> and if you disagree with those opinions, remember that those opinions belong to Paul and myself. So if you are loving what you're hearing, well, that's awesome. High fives to you if you're not liking what you're hearing and it's making you angry, well, that's awesome. High fives to you. Uh, but if you're upset about that and you want to write a letter, address it to me and Paul. <laughs> yeah, I was going to... This gonna, is I, I, Radio, and, uh, and, and Paul will sell you a book and a CD. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just add something. Here's my uh, addition to that great announcement that Captain Phil just made. If you don't like what you're hearing from Paul, too bad. Are you familiar uh, from 19, uh, from two, what was it, uh, 2000, oh, what year was it? Hang on, give me one second. From 2012, there in the New York Review of Books, there was an article by Gary Wills called R. Moloch, and he compared the love and the ownership of firearms in America to uh, Moloch, who was, who was represented uh, by Milton, and uh 
he quotes he quotes Paradise Law saying, First Moloch hard king besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears, though for the noise of drums and timbrels loud their children's cries unheard that pass through the fire to his grim idol. And he takes this article and he and he and he compares it to um what happened in Sandy Hook. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very painful to read. But uh, are you familiar with that at all, uh, Paul? Am I reading yeah. any bells? Yes, I, I actually read that at some point. So, yeah, I am familiar with it. I mean, let, let me just say, we don't need to mythologize mm-hmm. or make reference to Milton to get on the ball and understand what needs to be done here. I, you know, the, the value of these kinds of classical references is they sometimes help us get perspective on things. I I can't think of anything that's more obvious than that there is something fundamentally wrong with our country Mm. right now. I mean, there are many things that are wrong with it, but something deeply, deeply wrong with it. it, it, A country in which these kids could get slaughtered like that and you don't need to read milton you don't need to read gary wills you don't need to read the bible you i I sound like john lennon you know i don't believe in jesus i don't believe in the beatles i don't believe in them but i mean that you know john lennon could write a great song about this you don't need any of that stuff you just need a modicum of common sense and human decency to to be so utterly revolted by what happened in Texas that you 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 come to the conclusion something has to be done about this. And so I've been saying ultimately we have to appeal to the Second Amendment, but that's the ultimate thing. What needs to be done now, right away, is, is a series of steps beginning with not allowing anyone to buy a weapon like this. You know, frankly, you know, I mean, it it makes no sense. I mean, uh, there are nuclear weapons in existence. Should we interpret the Second Amendment to say, hey, I can go out and make, you know, get the ingredients and make my own nuclear bomb? No. And not only that, we don't allow someone to buy, I don't even know what you would call it, you know, the kind of thing you have on your shoulder and you can shoot down a plane with, Yeah. you know, right? So we already have restrictions on these things, but but somehow the line was drawn at a, a dreadfully incorrect place. And yeah, I would be happy if the line were drawn no firearms of any kind for any American citizens. I, that's what I would love to see. But I, I would settle for, and I think any decent-minded person would have to agree with me, I would settle for none of these weapons available. The weapons that were used in Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. the weapons that were used in, in Texas. And, and by the way, let me also add... You know, and the, the vast majority of gun owners agree with you. There's, there's yeah, a they, lot of numbers. The people who don't agree with you uh, happen to be in Congress. Yeah. 
I, I have to say, you know, as you know, I'm a professor at Fordham University. And I would say, I don't know, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, you know, time flies by. I was teaching one of my freedom of expression classes. And there was a young man in my class who was very interested in freedom of expression. And he raised his hand and he said, you know, you keep talking about the First Amendment and, and freedom of expression. How come you haven't mentioned that there wouldn't be a First Amendment if there were not a Second Amendment in which people with guns could rise up in support of the freedom that the First Amendment provides. And I remember saying, well, you know, that that may be the case that people with guns will rise up and support that. But basically what seems to be happening is people with guns are rising up and, and killing, shooting down innocent uh, people. And, and by the way, let me say also, just again, to give a little historical context, I don't know what it is about Texas. You know, I've been to the state a few times. I have some friends there, you know, it's a nice enough state. I enjoyed Dallas, the television soap opera. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have nothing against Texas. Um, but, you know, the first mass shooting took place in the 1960s in Texas. A guy got on top of a school building with a rifle and just began shooting people down in the plaza of the building. And that, that in modern history was the first mass shooting. So it began, I think it was in 1966. And it, that, unfortunately, is the tragic initiation of this kind of slaughter. And ever since then, people were saying, well, what can we do to uh, stop this from happening? And, and again, let's be clear, we haven't talked about this also, this aspect of it. Mental illness. Yeah, there's a lot of mental illness around. People get sick. People get physically ill. People have mental problems. That's life. We're not the only country in the world with mentally ill people, but we're the only country in the world where year after year, innocent people get slaughtered, including children, by these guns uh, fired by people who have mental illness. So it's not mental illness that's the problem. That doesn't happen in England. It doesn't happen in France. You know, it happened once in Australia. And the Australian government, I don't know, the next day, pretty much, passed a law banning those weapons. That's the last time that happened in Australia. And they and, know what they knew what to do. We don't. And and you know, coming from a place you know where I worked, um, well, I actually work with children, you know, who who needed that sort of care. And to get yourself into the system, if you have a mental illness, or if you or the parent of someone with mental illness, or the spouse, you know, or the child of someone with mental illness, the hoops you have to jump through to get that particular person or yourself care is unbelievable. It's just so difficult. There's someone who's already agitated, and if and if and if someone and you know, and this happens a lot too. If if and this and this this is where the term defund the police, I think, got its poorly named origin. If someone is in crisis, a mentally ill crisis, and they become a danger to themselves or to the people around them, the thing you're supposed to do, Paul, is call the police. Yeah, And so many times the police come into that situation with guns blazing because for police, you know, it's like, like 
you know, every single solution to a problem, you know, it's like it's like the hammer and the nail, you know. <laughs> Every, every single solution to the, to a problem, you know, that needs to be fixed for the carpenter is a hammer, you know, and every solution is, is a gun. And not to say that coming into a crisis situation where someone, you know, is about to hurt themselves or others um, isn't a stressful and scary thing. More often than not, you know, the, the aid that we're hoping to get these people turns into tragedy and... I remember, you know, because working with autistic, you know, students and 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 multiply handicapped students, both physical and, uh, um, there was a story you can look this up um, uh, of a um, of a caregiver, someone who was taking care of an autistic, uh, uh, I think a young adult, and that person just got out. He got out of his his control situation and he was wandering around, and the client was white the autistic client who you know this man was taking care of was white and and the person you know who was in charge of him was black and the police were called because somebody was scared and let me and, and and an autistic adult you know a large autistic adult wandering the streets doing things you're not expecting to see when someone wanders the streets is scary you're first you don't know what this person is going to do if you're not familiar with um you know or, you know that sort of thing. You don't know what's going to happen, so the police were called, and they shot his caregiver. <laughs> oh gosh! While the caregiver was lying on the ground, <laughs> with his hands over his head, <laughs> flat on his back, they shot him when he was laying flat on his back, because somehow they felt that that man was a danger. While the autistic <laughs> client um, was sitting nearby and. It's a and just doing what he does, you know, and and it, it's you can look this up. It's just it was just unbelievable that it went down that way, you know, and it just just seemed to be like the worst that it could go to come to that. So when these things happen, and if you have, you know, and and this is from my own personal experience, if you have a family member or somebody in crisis, in back in my mind, the last thing I want to do is call the police because I don't want them to get shot. <laughs> And I don't oh, want to get know. shot, you know. Yeah. So, well. so, and so, there's always that thing, and, and I just wish there was there was some support where this kid from Texas, or the kid in Sandy Hook, because truly he was the kid was a victim too in Sandy Hook. Yes, he was very very disturbed. It, it was very very terrible and terrifying. But I don't think he I don't think he you know arrived on this planet wanting to be that way. You know, this is was part of his disability, and had he gotten the care he needed, and you know, and, and maybe the care he needed was to be not sitting in a room with his in the house with his mother and, and all these firearms, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe that could have been it. So you just have well, to... but yeah, look. But the point is, it's not the mother that was the problem; it's the firearms. So yes. that's why that's that's the point that I was making. Yeah, yeah, you know, there are a lot of people with problems. Sometimes people have the problems all their lives. That's been clear since they were kids. Sometimes these problems develop later on in life. But one thing which is clear, 
And this gets back again to what we've been talking about. And you can't talk about this too much because on the one hand, it's such an obvious point. And on the other hand, it seems that we as a, a country seem paralyzed, unable to do something about it. Because this very obvious point is no one should have these weapons. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. And then if, God forbid, there's somebody with some serious problems and they have violent impulses and whatever else is going on, they just can't express those violent impulses. And again, you have violent impulses, just like right now, you know, May 29th, 2022, someone with violent impulses, you know, going through some horrible, you know, mental issues can't go into a room and press a button and launch a rocket, which will hit a school and blow it up. That can't happen, right? Because we as a society recognize the only people who can do that are people in the military who are very carefully trained and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what we need to do is have similar ways of preventing people who have problems from having access to these weapons. And the only way that I know of doing that, since we can't predict when someone who's feeling fine one day has a problem another day, you know, again, mental illness is like any other illness. I'm feeling fine yesterday. Today I wake up with COVID or a bad cold or whatever the problem is. So since you can't predict it, again, this is just basically simple common logic. Don't let anyone have access to those weapons. And that's why to get back to what I was saying before, people around the world think that we are crazy here in the United States about this, and they're right. And to get back again to Vladimir Putin, who still is on my mind because of what's going on in Ukraine, but he must be enjoying this immensely. Yeah, He's now able to tell the Russian people, you want democracy? You think democracy is good? You think the Americans know what they're doing? When was the last time somebody went into a Russian school and killed 19 little kids? Yeah. Teachers. Yeah. And the answer is, it never happened there. So... This is, by the way, what fascist dictatorships have always said. And in the case of the United States, and in, the, in, in this particular case, they're not wrong at all. But again, I'm glad you, you mentioned the point that I, I wasn't aware of that example, that, that the horrible example of, yeah. of an African-American caretaker. He's the one who gets killed by police. He wasn't killed, but he was shot. He was shot in the leg. Okay. It was ridiculous. Oh, shot in the leg. I mean, yeah. but, but, the, but it's ridiculous because he was, okay, so he was... You know, as 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 a former you know teacher in in that sort of thing, looking at the situation, I was like, "That's the guy who's assigned to this kid. It's his job to make sure this kid doesn't get hurt." So he's perfectly right to be wandering around, you know, following this kid around to try to get him back under control safely. That's what he was trained for. The police show up. Now he's laying on the ground because he doesn't want to get shot, saying, "Don't shoot me. I'm here to take care of the kid." And they shoot him in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. his hands I, I up, in, his hands Let's, are up in the air when he says, "If you can see the video, you know." And there, and I'm like, I'm looking at this like, on what world does this make any sense whatsoever? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I have a solution to that too, and you'll like this as a, a devotee of science fiction. 
You know, RoboCop yes. has been oh my used goodness. as a, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're never going to get out of this until we have cops who are robots, literally, mm. because at least they'll be programmed apropos of Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. Yes. And they won't let any harm befall a human being or do any harm to a human being, except to protect another human being. And they won't, you know, make these kinds of mistakes. And again, you know, from my own personal experience, I'm sure everyone has these experiences. I'll give you another example from, from the many fascinating experiences of Paul Levinson, apropos of my music. Years ago, uh, Ed Fox and I were on a train that we got in Manhattan going out to the very end of Brooklyn where there was a recording studio. Yes. In fact, I'll give it a little credit, Rossi Recording Studio. And we were going out there to finish working on my first album and for many years, my only album, Twice Upon a Rhyme. Okay, so here's the story. Ed and I are on this train and over our shoulder, we hear like a guy saying something you know, he was like some guy was like drunk. And by the way, he wasn't African-American. He was, you know, a white guy. And he was like talking to himself and he was and he was like looking around. People were walking away from him. And we were approaching our stop where we had to get off at this stop in Brooklyn to go to the recording studio. And this guy is getting up and he's like beginning to say menacing things. And who walks into the car from another car? Cause he sees people leaving the car and we're huddled by the door, but a cop. And so Ed and I look at each other and say, good. The cop comes over and in a very short, like 15 second period of time, the, the train pulls into the station, the, the doors open, and the cop basically takes this guy bodily and pushes him out onto the station. Except it's the station that we want to go out <laughs> on. Oh, and I start walking out. The cop says, no, no, don't go out to the station. I said, look, we have an appointment. We have an appointment. No, I'm telling you, don't go. I'll, I'll put you under arrest. And so in his mind, he figured out, he thought that we were having an argument with this guy. He should have kept the guy on the train. Oh. And, off. and so we wound up coming like a half an hour late to our recording session. So if you if you hear one of the songs on Twice Upon a Rhyme and it sounds like I'm singing with like a little annoyance in my voice, <laughs> that's why. But again, look, that that's a very minor example compared to the terrible things that cops do. But but the problem is, you you know, in order to be an effective cop you really have to get an enormous amount of training and understand you know what's going on and not you know make judgments that are in any way you know racially motivated as right you have to divorce yourself from your own personal prejudices that that's right you have to and see people you know as 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 human beings as as all the same and not this person this this person is a person of color i don't trust him you know, it, it can't be like that. It, it can never be like that. And this is the reason why we have so much upsetness and, and unrest. And, and of course, the, the choir chimes in with these sort of things. Like, well, if he if he if he wasn't speeding, he would have been killed. If he wasn't, if he didn't have a you know a counter for twenty dollar bill, he wouldn't have been you know choked to death on right. on on someone's cell phone video. You know, right. if he wasn't selling cigarettes on the corner, you know, he he wouldn't have been killed there. And and you listen right. to this I stuff and it. And it and it's like, how do we get to a place where we don't have any compassion? All right, if, if he's doing something wrong, arrest him. He has rights. 
freedom is rights. You can't sell cigarettes. You're under arrest. You're going in. All right, you you know you paid a fine or whatever it is. You know, but to kill the guy, you know, you have a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. I you know I've I've people have handed me counterfeit money before and I didn't know and I'd taken it to the bank. Nobody stepped on my neck. You know? No, I, I know. Well, that that's that's exactly right. And again, if you look around the world, obviously police need weapons. But they don't carry their weapons around with them all the time. So, for example, what happened, I'm sure we talked about this as well, not many miles from where the trial of the officer who murdered George Floyd was taking place, as you may recall, a a police officer or woman basically says she thinks she's pulling out her taser and instead she pulls out a gun and kills this poor guy yes and i don't even know what he why he was stopped in the first place someone and that person had years of experience yeah exactly right but so that see this is always when you try to look at well why did this tragedy happen whether it's what you know what happened in valde or whether what happened a few miles you know north of uh uh, wherever the George Floyd trial was taking yeah. place, or yeah. the trial of COVID was taking place, uh, it, it always amounts to the same thing. This police officer who killed that poor guy in the car, she wouldn't have killed him if she wasn't carrying a gun. She shouldn't have been able to reach for something by mistake. Yeah. All she should have had is the taser. That should be more than enough. And and people in England understand that. People in France understand that. And, you know, we here in the United States, we put ourselves up always as, hey, you know, we're the world's most advanced democracy and we know what's right and blah, 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 blah. And in fact, we don't. We're in the Middle Ages when it comes to what law enforcement should be doing. So, and then this is why what happened to those poor kids in Texas is such a, a... it's, an, it's a lesson. It's a, such an horrendous lesson. But it's a lesson that we can't afford to ignore. Because now we know that not only do cops shoot all too quickly, not only do police shoot uh, an African-American kid in a playground because they think he's carrying a gun, not only do they shoot and, and kill people, uh, you know, shooting them in the back as they're running away. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go over all these stories. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of stories. Not only do the police of America do that, but when there's a time when they should be going in there shooting, oh, uh, we, we have to wait. Uh, yeah. he, he's just barricading now. So, uh, come on. I mean, what more do you need? You, they, they can't do anything right, I'm sorry to say. They, they're, they're trigger happy I, when they... I, yeah. when, and, and you know, looking at well, I, I, whatever's going down there, and this is this is very close to the uh, to the southern border as well. It, it's really, I mean, well, just watching that press conference I watched the other day. Oh my goodness, it was like, can we make this any worse? Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's call a press conference and make it worse. I mean, that was just so confusing, and and at the same time, they're going to hold the NRA meeting, you know, a couple of days later. And, uh, and and they went ahead and did it. Of course, of course, uh, Abbott did it by video. He didn't have the courage to come in and, and, and uh, stand there. Trump showed up. There wasn't any guns in the place then. You know, they made sure of that. 
Um, yep. And and the musicians that played, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's just beyond belief. It's just beyond belief. It's just in- incredible that that um, that meeting wasn't canceled. No, I know. So uh, you know, quote Martin Luther King, "I have a dream, and we'll yeah. see whether it comes true or not." I have a dream that Beto O'Rourke, who was I'm sure you yes. saw, stood up and oh, challenged my goodness. that habit. And, and and his toadies basically to, you know that that's another one of these things that infuriates me you, you you now's not the time to talk about this well when the hell is the time to talk about this are you kidding me now is eminently the time to talk about this it should have been talked about and there should have been action taken i.e get these dangerous weapons out of the hands of everyone a long long time ago so all those toadies on stage all of his advisors could do is is tell beta or Now's not the time to talk about this. And they're oh yelling at him. They're calling him an some... SOB and they're screaming at him and stuff That's like this. Right. It's like, this doesn't really sound That's like right. a... And you know something, Paul? I remember I remember seeing this um, years ago. I don't know if it was... I think it was... It was um, not John Kennedy. It was it was the brother that also got assassinated. Um, Robert F. Kennedy. It was... RFK. Yeah. He was delivering a speech. He was on the campaign trail. He was delivering a speech. And there was a protester there. And this particular Kennedy brought him up on the on the on the dais with him, and had a debate with him about what was right. going on. I believe, what was it? Was it was it a Bush uh, thing where where a protester came and was yelling, and they tasered him, and that was the "Don't tase me, bro" yes. line that came out. Yes. How much would it have gone to rehabilitate a little bit of this argument if Abbott had just brought? Beto up on stage and sat down across from him and they two of men had an adult conversation about this you know I think I think we could have really really moved ahead there you know and and of course because Beto is who he is he's not allowed in the room he's not allowed to comment on this you know and that's that's the whole thing that the dissenting voice always has to be suffocated out in this situation but you know, in my heart of hearts, I saw that that incident that happened. You know, with with the Kennedys. I forget which one it was. It definitely was not um, um, the first President Kennedy. You know, um, no, it was, it was Robert F. Kennedy. Was I Ron, know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and I looked at that, and even though the 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 debate and 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 the arguments and the issue are are old and in the past, the fact that these two people could have a conversation. And just a meeting of the minds, uh, just it just uh, fill me with hope. The actual act of it, you know, why couldn't this have happened with Beto? I think, you know, and of course, I think Beto was awesome for doing what he did. I think it's great, um, and his and his dissenters did exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, they did all they could yeah. do. They called them names. You know, it turned into like a middle school, you know, <laughs> middle school argument, um, and that's the level that we're at. So uh, yeah, and. That's right. But I think, you know, my dream is, wouldn't it be wonderful if because of that instant that we're talking about, where Beto's trying to challenge Abbott, have a debate with him about the laws in Texas, wouldn't it be wonderful if the people in Texas this coming November mm-hmm. elect Beto governor? Would I like to see that? I think I'm going to contribute money to that Beto mm-hmm. campaign. I, I think it would be a wonderful uh, 
refreshing, all too rare lesson in we're still a democracy. And, you know, that, that's yet to happen. Uh, and I don't know what it's going to take to happen. And I think you can rest assured that what will happen on the federal level is not much. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, we don't know, it's possible. You know, I heard somewhere that Senator Cornyn, who's the better of the two Texas senators, only between Ted Cruz is like one of the worst senators in history in terms of his positions and just outright lying. Schools should only have one door. <laughs> yeah, Corden is a little better. And uh, he is now, uh, apparently, I read this in several places, uh, in discussions with Schumer about how the Republicans and Democrats might be able to agree on some kind of legislation. And I, I hope that happens. Oh, I'm not going to hold my breath. Oh, yeah, Paul. I know. I have two I words. I have two words yeah, for you, Manchin. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but, well, Manchin is irrelevant if we can get some Republicans. Because again, but will we? Let. I mean, maybe we'll, say, we'll, 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 maybe we'll get maybe, two Republicans. Maybe we'll get yeah, Cheney. Not. You know. Yeah, um, yeah well, she's not in the Senate, so she can't no, do much yeah, good. But, yeah. but but the reason I'm saying this, that is far less likely to happen than Beto winning the governorship in the election that's going to take place this November in Texas. And, uh, you know, for God's sakes, this happened in their own state. How can any parent, how can any human being, how can anyone with a heart, after seeing and hearing what happened at that school, how can they possibly vote to reelect someone who enabled that to happen? And that's what Abbott did. And not only that, couldn't even tell the public the truth. Yeah. You know, in the days that happened, it comes out with complete nonsense. Yeah. You know, they, uh, uh, we didn't talk about the fact there's some kind of school security guard. Uh, the first report, oh, he engaged the shooter. No, yeah, no. he didn't. Yeah, it turned out he wasn't even there. So what happened to him? What, what happened? The guy was on vacation. Yeah. No, this is like another genius. He passed right by the shooter. He thought some teacher on the other side of the school was the shooter. Fortunately, that guy wasn't killed. You know, th this is the, this is how the police and security people work in Texas. I'm sure not all of them, but too many of them. You know, a, an active situation when something like this happens. There is so much that can go wrong from so many different directions. It reminds me of the Gabby Gifford shooting where um, there was a good guy with a gun there. And I'm, I don't remember if he actually um, shot the person who had shot Gabby in the head. Um, but I do remember that this person who was there in, in Arizona with a gun was targeted by law enforcement when they arrived at the scene because they didn't know. And... And it could have gone horribly wrong. Well, here's a good guy. Here's here's the actual person. Here is the person we were always talking about. You, you can't have gun control because we have to make sure the good guy with a gun will be always available. He'll always be armed. Well, here he was, and he was almost taken out by law enforcement because they couldn't tell the difference. He's not standing there holding up a sign saying, I'm the good guy with the gun. And the big guy's not standing, standing there saying, I'm the guy who's going to shoot, you know, Gabby Gifford. 
It doesn't work like that. It's, it's complete anarchy when this stuff happens. You don't know who is the bad guy. And mistakes happen. And, and I think the thrust of the whole thing we've been talking about for like the last 70, 80 minutes is that these rapid-fire machines of de- death just need not to be sold. They need to just be provided to the Army. You can't be 18 years old in Texas and buy one for $800. You know, that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and, and also let's be clear about it. They're talking about, oh, hey, all right, so now, here's what we'll do. Maybe we'll make the age 21, not 18. You know what? Make the age 121. Yeah. Then I'll be satisfied, okay? I mean, the, the, you're going to raise the age from 18 to 21? Great. Is if a 22-year-old or a 21-year-old can't do this kind of thing? And, in fact, some of these mass murderers have been that old. Mm-hmm. So no one should be able to buy that gun. No one. You know, look, you, you and I have talked a lot about popular culture and this whole good guy with a gun. It, it's based on mis-equating what we see in television fiction mm-hmm. with reality. So... You know, Matt Dillon is the name of an actor now, but prior to that, Matt Dillon was the name of the marshal, Marshal Dillon, right, in Gunsmoke. He was a good guy with a gun. He knew what to do. There's no doubt that if Marshal Matt Dillon were there, he would have gone in single-handedly with his old six-gun and done whatever he could to engage that active insane shooters so again as i was saying very early on in our discussion this would have given some of these kids a chance to escape but that's a myth that's not reality that's television in fiction and this is what the problem is with the nra they they're selling a fiction to the american people a romanticized a romanticized fiction exactly right and and yeah you know Everyone, there are good guys with a gun. It's not completely crazy. You're right. I think the the guy who uh, stopped more people from being killed in in the uh, shooting that that uh, that happened in uh, in Arizona, and you know, almost killed Gabby Gifford, and she she has you know recovered to a great extent. Um, was a good guy with a gun, but. Even he was not Matt Dillon. And as you've correctly mm-hmm. pointed out, the other, quote, good guys with guns who arrived didn't know that he was a good yeah. guy with a gun because it's not a television show. It's reality. And and in reality, you can't make distinctions like this. I mean, and you can look at, you know, we need, we need to wrap it up soon. Uh, but sure. but um, I think we can <clears throat> we can made it to the war in Ukraine where you, you start to hear the stories of the people coming out of these places where people were pinned down, you know, in these factories or in these tunnels for weeks, you know, and, and or they're being shot at. They're trying to, they're, you know, it's supposed to be a time where the, where, where the, where the civilians were going to get out, and now those civilians are being targeted. Those civilians are being, you know, aim, you know, aimed at. And you listen, you know, through the translator at their stories, and you realize, you know, it's not a Spielberg movie. It's It's not... You know, it's not John Wayne. You know, right. it's not in sense around. This is complete hell on earth. It's anarchy. These poor people, these grandmothers, you know, 
uh, the, the, these these poor old ladies. You, you see, this is going on. These things are happening in a in a fraction of a second, and that's what's happening. You know, what what happened in Buffalo and what happened in in, in Texas. And to be able to sit back in your armchair and say, well, if he had, if this one had this, if the if there was only one door, if the teachers were armed, if this, if that, if the other thing, you know. Um, you don't know. You just, you can't, that's, that's ridiculous. Because these things are happening on such, on such a fast-paced level that you can't really disassemble it. You, you can't act on it. You react to it. You know, it's, it's not something you can sit there and say, all right, here comes the big guy with the gun. I will prepare. I will lock all the doors. It, it doesn't happen like this. The guy's in and he's shooting. And he's shooting at you, and you're in the hallway. Boom, boom, boom! It's happening right now. Do you go left? Do you go right? Left is death. Right is right is life. You know, you don't know. It happens in that quick a second. And and yeah, the fact that we try to like manage this and excuse it and, and talk about it and try to try to make excuses, there's, there's got to be a better way. And and it's time to look at Australia. It's time to look at the other countries and find out why it doesn't happen there and implement those solutions. Exactly. And if they well, don't work, try different solutions. But that's right. right now, we're at this place where we're, in, we're, in, um, we're, we're, we're just in, in stasis. You know, you can't go forward, you can't go backwards. It's thoughts and prayers, it's too soon, don't get political, now it's over, and three weeks later it happens again in some other poor school with some other poor people, you know? And then the whole thing just repeats over and over again. People are tired. People are tired. And look, I, yeah, and I don't mean to come out against prayers and religion, but they are, but basically the prayers have not done much good, have they? They've been prayers. I'll, I'll come out against prayer. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. Uh, I mean, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why, because I was driving back from the flea market today, and of course, on the back of my truck are my Biden stickers, my terrifying Biden stickers, you know, the most right. terrifying sticker in the world. Because uh, I was too lazy to take it off after the election, <laughs> and a Trump uh, and a MAGA drives by me, and it says in giant letters on the back of their van, you know, Donald Trump and and Jesus something, you know, and there's oh, Jesus and Trump, and they and they're passing me at seventy five miles an hour. By the way, Paul, seventy five miles an hour. I don't think that woman was helping them drive. They have the sunroof <laughs> open, Paul, and they're like making gestures at me. They weren't flipping me the bird, but they definitely oh. weren't the. They weren't signing "I love you, Biden supporter." You know, they definitely weren't doing yeah. that. And I was like, how can somebody, you know, have have God in their heart and and just like treat me like because I voted for the guy you don't like, um, treat me like garbage, like make, like trying to incite me to come chasing them. Oh, and, and by the way, Paul, a, a state trooper did did pass me. Like literally three minutes, he came up behind me. All right, good. So, so that I moved over, and I was like, and then I was Paul. Then I was praying. I was praying oh. that he would stop him, but he didn't stop him. Oh, see, so prayers don't get answered. So, I'm, 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 <laughs> just like a strictly selfish point of view, uh, in a way, I'm sorry that you didn't speed, and then they would have arrested you, and then we could have been doing this interview, and here I am, Captain Phil, yes. I'm in jail, <laughs> and I'm doing this uh, two-hour show with Paul Levinson. We would have gotten a lot more, it would have been much easier to promote that to yes. like a huge audience. Unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately <laughs> WSB doesn't have any money to bail me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good, though, because we, we could have done a series of shows. But, but I, I, I can't, 
I can't let this pass though, because my ears heard this. I I am stunned. I'm happy, but I'm stunned that you had a Biden sticker on the back of your car because I thought you were a Bernie guy. This is so that, what happened. That what happened was that Bernie lost the nomination, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> My 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 uh, my my uh, my kid up up in the North Country does have the Bernie stuff, and I and I truly would have supported Bernie a hundred percent, and I wanted and I wanted to, but no, no, it didn't happen for him. I was right. kind of like Warren as well, you know, um, but it's okay. And I remember when when the election was happening. I remember I had you on, and we were talking about Biden, and you kind of talked me off the ledge. I was disappointed with Biden, um, but you were like, no, no, I think. And and you know what, you're right. He's not a perfect president. I there there are things I I wish Biden could accomplish. Um, and at the same time, though, I see a man who is filled with compassion. I see a man who has overcome tremendous personal disabilities that people are very happy to make fun of because of you know the stuttering and things like that. Yeah. You imagine what that man overcame. I've worked with stuttering kids. It is difficult. It's just astonishing, and and my hat is off to him. And anybody, you know, who thinks it's like a big joke to call him Sleepy Joe or Oh look, he messed up again. You listen to him, and he has all these little verbal things that help him get through a speech, so he doesn't stand there and, and stutter. And it's a debilitating thing, and he overcame it. Isn't it? Isn't that a great story? Why do we have to go after? these people all the time it just it just really it it it, it burns me a little burns me but burn b-u-r and not b-e-r <laughs> <laughs> well I, listen i am not joking it's not a joke not a joke but no i i agree with you 100 percent. the reason why people go after him first of all it's not just people it's republicans yes it's yes, because that's right that's it, I, I, because I stand corrected and absolutely and, and, and increasingly republicans are not people i don't know what to get back to star trek i don't know what new series has to get into this, but I'm convinced that they are not human. I don't know what kind of species they are. The Romulans. Here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, don't insult them. The Romulans are far more intelligent. That's true. The They're Gorn. They're the Gorns. They're Gorn. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, the Gorn, by the way, we're in the fourth uh, yeah, episode. Yeah, I heard. So I haven't seen it. Shh, oh, I haven't seen you'll it. love it. I won't say a word Shh. about that. Um all right, well, good. So I'm glad. I'm glad that I turned you around regarding yes. Biden. No, because look, I think again, right? First of all, nobody is perfect, and I think, by the way, I, I, I'll say this: you know, a lot of Biden's so-called slips of the tongue are actually very good because they help move the ball forward in a good way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember back when he was vice president, Biden. And one of the things Obama wasn't the greatest on yes. is, you know, yes. gay rights. And basically, Biden, in some speech, said, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the LB, the, the, gay the same thing said, with Taiwan. And, and when people exactly. Like, right. and I'm like, I'm like, he did the same thing with Taiwan. I was like, yes, yes. You know what? <laughs> exactly. When, when, right. when Russia's invading Ukraine and, and we're, we're going to and, and you know, now is the time to stand up. And, That's right. and let me say, so we're going to wrap up in the next next two minutes. But now now is now is the time to stand up because, you know, watching Russia go into Ukraine, they're not looking so good. They're not they're not the big scary bear I was always taught. You know, the That's fact right. they'd be taken out by drones, that a nation with no navy sunk their flagship. 
I love it. I love it. I was like, oh. oh my goodness, you know. But there, there so are other, there are other, We didn't have time to talk about this. There are other issues with Ukraine. I want to, I want to, I want to approach at some point uh, down the road. But uh, Paul, final words. Final words are: Listen, I'm sorry that we had to spend two hours talking about this, but I'm I'm glad that we did, and I hope everyone keeps talking about this and talk about it and talk about it until finally a majority of Americans who are in a position to vote. There is a major election coming up this November. Act on these words and act on these thoughts, and maybe, maybe. Finally, we'll get some common sense into our gun laws and begin the long, arduous process of bringing America back to reality and back into what most of the rest of the human population on this planet has long since recognized. Paul Levinson, professor, writer, musician, political commentator. But most important, Paul, my friend. (laughs) Thank you you so much for spending your precious uh, Cape Cod time with Captain Phil. And uh, and and I'm I'm glad we had a chance to talk about this. You may not agree with everything we say. Some things may have made you angry. We're angry too. We don't like to see children killed. We don't like to see anybody killed. And uh, so you know, let's see if we can move forward and let's try to do this in a way where we can reach out together and and uh, come to a place where we don't need to be afraid of each other and uh, and move forward as as Paul says. Let's hear that website one last time, Paul. Uh, well, I'll give you my Twitter account, which is still the easiest way to contact me, at Paul Lev, P-A-U-L-L-E-V. You may or may not like Twitter, but trust me, you'll like my Twitter feed. All kinds of good things. Musk hasn't pick, kicked him off yet. That's right. So far, so good. Fingers <laughs> crossed, Paul. <laughs> I, I could use publicity. Elon, <laughs> kick me off, please. Yes, yes he sold 10,000 copies of the Beatles' <laughs> alternate history book. Yes. Wait, Elon go. Musk bought the Beatles catalog. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Musk. All right. All right. I must get off this topic. All right. Adios. Take care, my friend. Always a pleasure. Be well. Bye-bye. The Light on Light Through podcast. And I hope you enjoy that lengthy conversation about gun control. I'm sure we offended a lot of people, to which I say... Good, better people get offended than they get killed. And if people who own guns are offended by what Phil and I were saying, well, maybe you should think about why we are so offended. And really, who cares that we're offended? But what you should care about is this horrible loss of life that just continues and continues. Something has to be done about that once and for all. In any case, I'll be back here soon with my more usual episodes of Light On, Light Through. Let's see, I think I owe you a review of The Man Who Fell to Earth. I'll, of course, be reviewing the new episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and the new episode coming up of The Time Traveler's Wife, 
And in addition to that, apropos Star Trek, the Orville is coming back. In fact, I think it's up on Hulu today, June 2nd. So I'll certainly be watching and reviewing every episode of that. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sound, continue doing whatever you can to help the brave Ukrainians get those depraved Russians out of Ukraine. You know, the Russians are killing a lot of children in Ukraine too. They bomb indiscriminately, they pulverize buildings and cities, and the world needs to do whatever it can to get those monsters out of Ukraine. AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still codes about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.